Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 22 of the Lift Free and Dynamo podcast. There's a lot going on in my universe anyway since the last time we recorded, so it almost feels like it's been forever. But uh, I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I'm uh, really fortunate to have my friend Brian Cron back. Brian still holds the record for the most appearances on the... the- <laughs> so he, he got to keep you there, right? Fend off a few other people. But... Uh, oh yeah, man. <laughs> I find that, you know, this podcast is, is always a search for my own, you know, ideas and interests and, and to help my career as much as it is to benefit everybody listening. You know, I, I certainly hope you guys are all getting a ton out of it. And, and I want to hear from you. You know, if this stuff has been meaningful to you, you know, reach out to me. I encourage that. Instagram, definitely the format for that. But uh, I'm, I find myself returning to a lot of the minds and the idea is that I, I came up through following, listening to in the industry. Brian is one of those people, especially his writing, uh, you know, initially on T Nation and just getting to soak up some of your, you know, your social media thoughts. And I've seen you present in person and uh, it's really great to get to talk to you. So it's, yeah, welcome back. Man, thank you very much, man. It's always great to be here. It's, uh, I always look forward to it. I think that's why I'm all- <laughs> I, just, I think that's why I'm always bugging you to come back on is that I, uh, I enjoy it a lot. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, but it's always me asking, right? I, I had a message. <laughs> I, I, I looked at his profile and he had following and he, Oh, I see you have a podcast and, you know, I'm to be a guest, blah, blah, blah. And obviously I looked and he didn't follow a single credible person. That I know in the- <laughs> which is always a red flag. Yeah. I politely let him know that I, I don't take, you know, sort of just random yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always tells me that they're really not they don't give a shit about me or my following they just want to promote themselves if they don't immediately turn around and follow me yeah. or try to engage in some other sort of way right so I, I would, mm-hmm. but uh you and i've been talking a lot recently kind of just sharing ideas about you know, yep. perspectives in the industry and and direction so i figured we'd share some of that stuff on air yeah i got a feeling a lot of people are going through the same stuff so Let's start here. You know, you've been you've been part of the industry a long time, and I don't want to make it sound like you know you're, you're this <laughs> dinosaur who's uh, you know kind oh, of. No, yeah. <laughs> we joke about that, but you know, you ever look around and find yourself not recognizing the shifting landscape, you know, of the fitness industry, modern fitness influencers, you know, how they're interacting with with the world, and I suppose embedded in that, you know, what what's the same? What hasn't changed? Yeah, like I'm, I'm perpetually not the last guy in, you know, but I'm, I'm perpetually like, you know, when there's a new trend, I'm like, just after halfway. So it's, you know, it's already no longer cool. <laughs> and it's certainly nowhere near like when it was getting while it was hot. It's already like, you know, I'm, I'm one space like before you like your aunt gets into it or, you know, <laughs> or people in nursing homes. It's like, like, like Instagram. I didn't really like I've been, I think I got the app when it came out whenever that was, but I didn't actually really look at it as like, a, as a tool of my business until like a few weeks ago, maybe. So, um, and I, and I was obviously talking to you about it. And uh, so, I, I mean, I'm, that's just what I do. I'm a perpetually slow uh, embracer and I'm, I'm trying to work on that, but I'll probably be dead by the time I master it. So I'll be the first one to die. <laughs> I suppose with, with fitness trends, because we know there are many yeah. both nutrition yeah. and you know functional training stuff. Yeah. Always been firmly rooted in you know classical bodybuilding, 
you know, the stuff that's always sort of worked, you know, the, the golden yeah. era of, of bodybuilders and the lessons that have been handed down from there. And then the other foot has always been in, where's the research, where's the science, where are the, the thought leaders, you know, your yeah. Schoenfelds and, and whatnot, who are educating our industry yeah. on yeah. the stuff that's actually working and where those two worlds merge. And I've always felt yeah. that your, your writing has been a reflection of that, but that's also kept you away from being the guy who's promoting balance, BOSU ball stability training, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. I'll do everything now on a TRX trainer superset it with kettlebell stuff. And we, yeah. we know the TRXs and kettlebells have their place, but totally, yeah. there are definitely limitations in terms of the high end of muscular hypertrophy or, or pure neurological strength that you can achieve from, from just using those implements, right? And I've worked yeah. with trainers on gym folks yeah. who specialized in kettlebells and TRX and never, never stepped outside of it. No barbells whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's limiting, but yeah, you were never someone who jumped on those trends. You were never the keto guy or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I suppose not being too quick to jump on every trend also has its benefits because you tend to avoid jumping on something. Oops. I, I, even in social media, what's the new one now people are talking about this audio only thing it's it sounds ludicrous to me i can't remember what the hell it was even called someone's gonna message me but it's called this and i i think it's from what i understood like you log on whatever you do it live whatever yeah. and it disappears maybe i'm wrong about that but like what the fuck's the point of that like that's a podcast what? actually you know being able to go and listen to the podcast on your own terms so well, I, sort of like like the, the like the snapchat disappearing dick pic thing except with text or like <laughs> with audio yeah <laughs> so like you're describing it you're describing a dick pic <laughs> yeah uh, audio like geez, like you know i suppose there's room for porn type stuff in that world yeah too. but yeah, uh, right? you know I, i've never been a trade and i was late to the game with them too and and you know anybody who's been following along i spent this year working consistently at content creation through instagram and, and that's all yeah. grow and Anybody who's been following along, it's been that quest to 10,000. And I was that, you know, yeah. I was like, oh shit, now I got to set some new goals. But I also resolved not to talk about it as aggressively. I'm just going to kind of pull my head yeah. it, right? So but you and I have been talking about that too. And, and I mm -hmm. think it's worthwhile, you know, obviously guys, if you're driving, don't pull out the phone, you know, until you get to at least a red light. But, uh, you know, go follow Brian's Instagram because we've been talking about you being, well, you're actually pretty consistent with it. Just doing it in such Better. a format that yeah. it's, it's really meant to reach the person that you want to help, right? Because we can very, very tempting to use any social media as a stream of conscious yep. medium of all the garbage that we want to say yeah. that probably yeah. gets canceled or in a lot of trouble or alienate yeah. people who have yeah. ways of thinking. Uh, and I, I trained myself a long time ago to avoid that sort of stuff altogether. Yeah. The feedback yeah. from people is that they don't want to hear that stuff. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. Go to fitness professionals for fitness, for motivation, for positive, uplifting stuff. Because social media is full of all that other crap. It's full of it. Yeah. It's hard to avoid it. Right? I'm, I'm pretty merciless with the unfollow button to get rid of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking for things that, you know, make me feel positive and keep me on my yeah. way. So. Yeah. No, I, I think that's just, and, you know, even the most, you know, socially driven person, people I know, um, they never come away unscathed, man. They're all, they always come away a little bit like, 
you know, I, I made this my mission to advance this social cause. And now I'm just, I, re- I ain't changing shit. I'm done with it. You know, they're totally, they're, they're, they're Captain Kurtz in Apocalypse Now, man. Like he goes into the jungle to win the hearts and minds of the natives. And then they find his journal and it's got like written in red ink, you know, drop the bomb, exterminate them all. Like, you know, people just never, you know, you go into these intentions and it just, you, you fail. So I think some of you are going to have to go back and watch Apocalypse Now. <laughs> You know, you make it too easy. <laughs> uh, you know, you're only a little bit older than me, but that was a reference. <laughs> I'm a movie buff, and I'm guilty of actually having never seen it. Late Brett, though, at some of his best. <laughs> if I get sometimes I sneak in references into my writing, and and either people just don't care, which would which would that would really hurt, or they don't get any of them. I'm like, come on, man. This is gold here. Someone, someone hit me back here. You know, I actually had an article published today on True Coach. It's uh, by the time people actually well, shit, they'll be listening to this tomorrow, so it'll be right away, yeah. and it'll be shared on my media or, or just message me. I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's on True Coach's blog. It's it's five lies people tell. Can't remember the exact title. It's five lies people tell themselves why why you're not creating and sharing content. And one of the first points I make is how like there's there's nothing totally original out there. If you are waiting to have a completely original idea that has never been seen before, it's never yep. going to happen. And I yep. use example to talk about movie references. So this is one of my favorite things. And have you ever seen this movie, every listening along, where, you know, there's a young cop who goes undercover and there's a group of, there's a bunch of, of thefts, big heists. Yep. And the cop goes into this cool- New Jack City. Sub, subculture world. Hang on, hang on. And also this way of this really charismatic leader of this gang. Yeah. And, you know, he gets involved with a girl who's tied to the leader. And yeah. then there's a rival group that the young cop is determined, okay, these are the guys pulling the heists. They raid them. It's not them. Turns out it was the, the charismatic leader the whole time. So anyway, there's a, there's a big showdown at the end. The cop gets exposed. And the, the cop decides to let the ringleader go because of the relationship they have. Now, what movie did I just describe? Point Break. Good, you got it. I just described Point Break. <laughs> but most people are gonna say, I was describing The Fast and the Furious. And then they're actually the same movie. Fast and the Furious is actually the script of Point Break, officially taken the Point Break script and then repurposed for car culture. And what has happened? People loved the Fast and Furious, the Point Break remake is something everyone should avoid, but the original is a classic. <laughs> and what, what do we got? We've got like $5 billion worth of sequels and, and this whole franchise that's coming to Fast and Furious on a completely unoriginal concept. It's a, an old script repurposed, right? But yep. loved it. Now, a lot of people discover that who'd never seen Point Break. Me, I grew up on Point Break, so I watched Fast and Furious. I'm like, this seems familiar, but I fucking love it. So my point is, is that there's really nothing new under the sun. If you're afraid that you have no original ideas, well, that's not gonna stop some, you know, some scuzzy influencer who, well, they don't give a shit what anybody thinks, so they're gonna go out and do it. And it's not stopping a legion of young and upcoming trainers and established people who fully understand that, okay, this is not brand new, but this is really important, this is helpful, and someone's discovering it for the first time, or the way that you frame it, the way that you state it might be original uh, to a point where it takes off. So 
my whole purpose behind that whole message is just, you know, just yeah. be kind of fearless. Don't be afraid to, to share your own ideas. And mm -hmm. honestly, if you're not out there working hard to gain eyeballs and reach, other people will be. And not all those people will have the same honorable intention you have. So yeah. people out there, you can help. So don't oh. suck yourself. Yeah. Although, just, you know, just to continue the analogy, I have not actually seen like the Fast and the Furious, any of the, or the 1100 spinoffs. <laughs> is there a scene though equivalent of Keanu Reeves, you know, chasing down um, uh, Patrick Swayze, drawing his gun on him, and then they have this like eye contact, whereupon Keanu Reeves like rolls out his back and screams, "No!" and he shoots his gun up into the air. Is there a scene like that? Almost identical, you know, not so much the the full gunplay, but uh, Paul Walker, uh, yeah. Brian Connor, does have. Toretto, after they race, Toretto crashes his car, Vin Diesel's character. And then Vin Diesel's gotta go to save this other person. And yeah. Paul Walker throws him the keys to Paul Walker's car so he can escape. Okay. As opposed You're to right. where, uh, no, it's, it's fucking identical. The movies, <laughs> every major plot point, the only things that aren't there, there's no, there's no real equivalent to Gary Busey's character, who is <laughs> How could there be? <laughs> if anyone, he's fantastic, but he's uh, sort of a, the cop partner to Keanu Reeves, the cover cop. So there's not quite the same character. And then the girl, in the case of the Fast and Furious, the girl, Toretto's sister, and in the case of uh, Point Break, the girl that uh, Keanu gets involved in is actually Bodie pa uh, Patrick Swayze's <laughs> ex-girlfriend. Okay. Other than that, though, so. And it's good. There's a the rival gang in the point yeah. break one. Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of the rival gang that gets busted. Yeah. Right. And then, then in Fast and Furious, it's uh, Johnny Trans as Ricky Yoon as the actor. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but we're getting way off topic. And but can, but can you imagine being an agent and you're like you're trying to find work for a Gary Busey type like that? Like is, is that a, an in demand type? Well, you know, Nick I've, 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 any work, right? He did a voice. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Yeah. For, uh, at least a few episodes. And yeah. I knew I recognized the voice. I looked it up. I'm like, fuck, that's Nick Nolte. And Nolte, yeah. and Busey, not only do they look alike, but they're pretty much cardboard cutouts of each other at this point in their careers. Yeah, they could, they could have the same representation. That's very good. Yeah. This, yeah. Well, it solved that problem. Rourke has um, had a thriving career later on in life. So, you know. <laughs> And, and Robert yeah. Downey Jr. had his second coming and is one of the biggest actors in all of Hollywood. So yeah, no shit. Yeah, Hollywood is all about redemption stories. Where? No, I mean, yeah, no. Somebody said to me a long time ago that uh, if you're committed to producing something that is totally original, um, you're either going to just put out shitty work, <laughs> or um, you're not going to put out much at all. I mean, because just everything that's really most everything that's really, really significant or that really will move the needle has been said already. But that doesn't mean your audience doesn't want to hear it from you. And so that's, yeah. Yes, that's, I love that. That's such a well, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, cool. I definitely want to, I'll, I'll leave that there because here's something else that kind of contradicts what you said earlier. You know, online training, big, big, yeah. everybody's talking about it. And you know, it's obviously been a popular trend for the last few years, but you were in on it way, way long before, you know, it became a big thing. I think you're part of that generation. I was actually listening yeah. to Jonathan Goodman on a podcast recently, and he's one of the guys who's promoting this stuff the most. 
how he, you know, would the origin, the origins of online training was a bunch of T Nation guys like yourself who would write our, yeah. and someone would email and be like, hey, you know, can you make me a program? Okay, cool. Send me a post dated check. And yeah, yeah. then they were emailing them the programs and whatnot. So, but there, yeah. there was that community. And I remember, you know, being a leader, you know, as a trainer on the gym floor going, oh, right, here's yeah. all these people. And, and you guys all had these thriving online coaching businesses. So I guess, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take but, it. From you know, how well, that no, that's, that's interesting. How that, yeah. Like, but that's interesting. You brought that up because um, I'm largely gen pop. You know, like, well, hi, you know, you know, I'm gen pop personally. So that's not, that's not a disrespect. I'm, you know, just non-competitive, but serious lifter. Um, but this is yet another thing though, uh, that was stolen or appropriated from contest prep because um, my, my friend, Eric Ledeen, he's been, I think he's in his 19th year of online coaching. And uh, he was, he was my first coach in like 2002 five or so and um he learned from scott abel canadian and uh goodman you know, as the example in this podcast scott abel was the one he said yeah scott abel probably was the first and um and man this is going back to like the late 90s and a friend of mine hired him and it was very much for competitive bodybuilding so all the um you know um and i just remember getting you know he's getting his uh his email just like we look at it today and go, what is this? You know, it's just, just, just a, like a, a page of text. Like this is the, here's your diet. You know, here's stuff to take. Here's your training program. Like there's no correspondence. Like, you know, I think you check in once a month kind of thing. Um, accountability, dude, that's on you. You know, like that's like, you know, that's, you know, I don't hold your hand, that, that kind of thing. And that's the philosophy of the bodybuilding yeah. world anyway. And yeah. I have some issues with that particular modern philosophy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know it doesn't, you know, in a way, I agree. You know, like if you're going to go to that level, and these guys were not cheap. Like Scott Abel, I believe was, uh, I think it was two thousand dollars for a prep, and um, you know that wasn't uh, by the that's upfront. Like you don't even get, you know, you know what once he gets the money, then he talks to you, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to Scott's credit, he was cranking out champions left and right, so he was very, very good. still is very, very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a, a, such a different process. Like I think. I don't know what, I know his check-in process. Now he does mainly gen pop. So it's much more, they, I think they check in once a week, but I, you know, even then it's still quite light touch compared to, you know, what my, my colleagues are doing and certainly compared to what I'm doing. And I'm pretty, I'm very easy to get a hold of. I like, uh, you know, Scott's kind of like one day a week kind of thing you check in and that's, you know, um, but yeah, like it's just, my point being is it was just yet, it was another thing that we were doing on the hardcore edge. And it slowly made it way, you know, into the general pop. And then it explodes when it hits that massive swell of people. And, and it expands and it gets more technical and it gets fancy and it gets, you know, video and it gets, you know, 15 different messaging platforms, all the above. Um, but is the coaching any better? Like, that's the thing I'm getting at. Like, if I wanted to get on a bodybuilding stage, is there somebody I could find that would be better than Scott Abel? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, people will argue, but I don't know. You know, it would be a very short list, you know, so. Uh, I guess, is there anything, you know, take that a little further. Is there anything getting lost from the 
online coaching experience as it kind of built up in this mass push now to have the industry adopt it mainstream? Um, well, I do think, I, I do think that with all the complexity, uh, whether it's in the software or in the platforms or all the information that coaches are giving their clients and granted all information we all have access to people are just like repurposing, like whether it's food lists or training programs, you know, you know, different apps to support training with video. And there's so much output that sometimes I don't see a lot of expertise behind it because, and again, I'm not being a snob here. And, and, but I'm just seeing like, I just see like, okay, why are they doing that? Like, why do you have this person doing that? Um, or why do they need to know that? Like, it's like when you're teaching a squat, you can always spot somebody who doesn't know how to coach someone because they're just talking the whole time. Oh, and that right now you're feeling this in your, uh, you know, in your rec fam and you want like, and now something I learned from Paul Wood when I used to train with him, he would say like one or two words throughout an entire set, just whatever you needed to know, mm. like whatever that correction was, as opposed to just this the whole fucking time, you know, like he's, you know, he's not, he's not trying to bamboozle you with his knowledge. Yeah. This is actually something that I had a conversation with Nick Winkleman. Uh, he was just recently on the podcast and Nick's got a book, the language of coaching and a lot of it really dials in on the, the superiority of external cueing language versus internal cueing language as someone's doing something. But he's very, very clear. And he explains the science about attention, about, you know, just, yeah, keep it super simple. Just a couple of words. Yeah. Focusing on one cue at a time during a set. And the same thing is not just kind of talking constantly throughout the entire yeah. thing or throwing eight to 10 different things at a client, which is only just going to serve to confuse yeah. them because they can't pay attention to all that stuff at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think it's mainly, it's just, it's just kind of professional insecurity that, you know, we all go through, but it's just, Oh, okay. I, I know all this stuff. I'm going to show them that I know all this stuff. I'm going to show them that they're in good hands, you know, whereas like the true pro, he knows that his attention is on the outcomes of the client and they already, you know, he knows they trust him because they're paying his rates and he knows he's good, you know, so he just is going to do his job and, and get them results. So you know, anyway, I, I sometimes see with all this explosion in tools and just stuff that, um, I don't know, it seems like a lot of stuff without a lot of, not, not a lot of wisdom behind it. A lot of knowledge, but not a lot of wisdom. That's what I'm getting at. So. And that comes um, with experience. Yeah. And I mean, I've written on this particular topic and I do officially advocate that you know newer trainers have the right to coach online and i'll explain yeah. because you know look at the world right let's say you have a coach who's been in the business for six to eight months and they're their in-person clientele like them and they're in a jurisdiction that they've had harsher lockdowns with the gyms closed longer. well do you not have the right according to the you know whatever authoritarian yeah. is that hey you have to a minimum of yeah. five years yeah. in person before you are allowed deemed worthy. Yeah. And, and, and first of all, that's bullshit. It is. Yeah. Let's get yeah. And I don't agree with it. But yeah. fundamentally, I do think that the more experience you have as an in-person trainer, the better the online coach you're going to be. I mean, that's also fundamentally true. Yeah. But, you know, it, we're, we're industry leaders, right? Like, you know, yeah. people pay attention to us for our, our thoughts in terms of what we're doing and what they should do and, and new trainers listen to this podcast yeah. and, you know i can't say hey no you don't have the right to do this instead i think what we should be doing is okay 
you're not going to have a lot of experience, but you're kind of in a jam a little bit. So let's be part of the solution and, and help you be better at the stuff with our accumulated wisdom. So you can kind of fast track through that process a little bit. Because I think your, your starting trainer, your new trainer is more knowledgeable than ever. There's more resources. There's more. Oh, yeah. yeah. On average, I think your, your new trainer has more knowledge. But you can't replace wisdom unless someone is really good at tapping into the lessons of, you know, the, the industry leaders who've been there. And even then, you still kind of have to go through it. But honestly, a lot of coaches are going to be going online much earlier in their careers. It is being sold to them with great programs and systems like John Goodman's, uh, Jonathan Goodman's Online Trainer Academy. And yeah. not so reputable systems that other people out there are selling. So yeah. people are going to make money and do this stuff. So just saying to someone, no, you can't, or you shouldn't do this, isn't going to stop them. And it sure as shit isn't stopping someone who's got a large Instagram following, who has no accreditations and very limited coaching experience, just to say, I've got a large following. Now I'm going to sell programs. Yeah. So those people aren't going away. So you as a new yeah. coach, do you have the right to work with the clients that you have while your gym's closed? Absolutely you do. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. this is on you to work fucking very hard to learn those skills and get really good at it and go way above and beyond. I mean, this is where you yeah. have to put in the effort. But honestly, this is the way our industry is going. And I do believe going forward, you know, new trainers in the industry are going to be taught and brought up on a hybrid model where online coaching is, is part of the initial experience. Yeah. And yeah. We have to help foster those people to be successful instead of criticizing that behavior. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's funny. I, I had a, I had this conversation with a guy who's been coaching a lot longer than me. And, uh, and he always, he's never, he's in great shape, but he's never, he's never trained anyone on the gym floor, uh, but he's an exceptional coach. Okay. Um, and he's like the, I would think of him as, you know, the one exception to whatever I say, Oh, I think whatever I pontificate that all online trainers should train in the gym first, because, and I have my reasons for that, whatever. They're my reasons. Who cares? Um, but he'd always be in the back of my mind when, uh, when I think of, of exceptions to the rule. And he explained it is, is that obviously there's so much more ground to cover with online coaching. Like it's just like the program is just one part of it. Um, and the longer I do it, even though I, 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 that's the part I take the most seriously, I realize it's not the most important because um, the most important thing is just is obviously getting the person to do it and doing that in a way that you're basically you're an influencer, but you're like, in a, like a, like a real influencer, you know, someone with, you know, you're not hawking whatever's on your Instagram feed. You're just, you're influencing a lifestyle and you, and that means you have to be very, very particular about the buttons you push and how many you push and going after always like the, the most impactful ones first, you know, like that's the first thing I do when I'm coaching is I get into lifestyle and within 30 seconds, you know, even I, I'm just like, okay, if we don't fix this, <laughs> we're going to be like driving around town with the emergency brake on. So I, I mean, like we, we got to fix this first and foremost. And, you know, that's now, that is always my number one priority before the program, before our fucking diet macros. Okay, what is the big thing? Uh, and I can usually find it right away. It's usually uh, and, like sleep or time management or stress, right? Stress management. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's usually it's stress management in the form of some type of like eating at night or drinking at night. Um, and then you, so then you got to see what your place is. Do you fix the symptom or do you even have the bandwidth to treat 
the cause of the stress. So, you know, and these are conversations you have and, you know, and if you can have them, that kind of thing. And that's, and again, that's where it helps have a lot of experience because you could, you just understand people behavior, you know, people better. And uh, yeah, I mean, is there some clients even to this day, we just don't talk about that thing I know they do. Um, <laughs> and others were very, you know, hey man, I'm, I'm right in the mix with them. So, and the, uh, that could apply to addiction is a good example, right? And oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very carefully around yep. addiction because if you have a good relationship with client, yep. you talk about a lot of stuff, but are we yep. going to be you know, therapists and counselors when it comes to addiction? Well, not really, no. Um, no, no. You know, and, and sometimes that is a very hard and firm line that you don't cross. But yeah, like, we can identify pretty easily that someone has, you know, a casual drinking behavior, yep. you know, a pathological drinking behavior that is you know what's holding them back uh but at the same time that's sometimes the elephant in the room that's got to be kind of dealt with but we also all have those clients that we we know they're drinking they they they, they'll talk about it they don't want to make changes but we also realize that the time is aggressive technically it's sort of outside yeah and so we've got to make the best of everything else but deep down inside we know this thing yeah is the thing that's holding them back well, over the years, I've gotten good at teasing it out of them um, because I, over the years, I've expanded my trackers, more, uh, my check-in process a lot. And it's not because I like doing more work. Um, I just, when I get them to type more words, especially fucking guys, like women, women will tell you everything regardless, but, uh, but guys clam up, you know, how's the weekend? Fine. How's the diet? Fine. You know, how's the training? Good. You know, that kind of shit. But then, so then you give them more like less open, what, you know, more questions that demand a little bit of exposition and they'll slowly, they'll start to hint at it. You know, that would be, be like, weekend was okay. You know, had a few drinks and I'll make mental note. Okay. And then the next week, you know, maybe a week or two later, it'll be weekend was okay. Drank too much. And then when it comes up the third time, then you'd be like, yeah, man. And then you start to bring up whether it's your experience with drinking personally or with other, always with other clients, not by name. And when there's like, when there's a when there's a semblance of trust and respect gained, then all of a sudden you you know you can have better conversations, and you can get to strategies. And yeah, if there it's always therapy first, but like I I probably I don't know I don't I don't want to say I play therapist, but I certainly support whatever the therapist is doing. And we know as coaches too that yeah. are the outlets for our clients. You get you develop good yeah. close relationships with most of them over you know longer period of time. And they're probably going to tell you most of everything. They're going to tell you about the shit yeah. in the relationship. One of my clients today, you know, she messaged me that things with her and her boyfriend are done, right? Officially, you know, whatever. Yeah. You look to a point of connection because I think, you know, I could tell she's definitely having a rough day. And, yeah. um, you know, I chatted there a little bit and didn't, you know, overstep my bounds. But yeah. within the the context of the, the what she's opened up and, and sort of wanted in terms of conversation, right? And, I mean, everybody, you've trained, you know, each one of us, we've had someone who's gone through, you know, serious relationship troubles. Uh, that stuff is like, that's on the table when it comes to being a trainer, right? So you have yeah. to navigate it. And yeah, there's this blurry area like, fuck, you know, eating disorder. Sure, don't go in yeah. Yeah. and try to fix someone's eating disorder. Like, yeah. don't do that shit. But you can also at least have it out there in the conversation where maybe, it puts you, yeah. in, you know, I really have a great person that if you're interested in talking to them, you know, yeah. this is the place for this, right? So that way you don't overstep your bounds. 
doesn't yeah, it, yeah, and, and I think that, that the pendulum in that particular subject has swung too far in either direction. And because on the one hand, um, you'll have people who go, as soon as somebody brings up like a, you know, something, a, a, an issue that would warrant therapy, um, the coach will just climb up and say, you know, I'm not a therapist. You should really get help for that shit. You know, that kind of thing. Um, which I don't think is right because you can still be a supportive person. And if you, and if you have a lot of experience with clients where, you know, and they've gotten through this, you can still be there and offer support and offer advice and just offer, or even just offer their that other client's story just as, as a means of inspiration. You can still be a human fucking being. That's what I'm getting at. Um, so there's that. And then way on the other side, and we've spoken about this is that, because everybody's in therapy nowadays, which I think is wonderful. And, and, you know, I've gone before during certain periods and it helps kind of, it helps you work out your own shit. Um, now we have people, because they're in therapy, they're playing therapist, which is like, you know, so that's the other extreme, which I, which I really hope would like, I don't know. Yeah, I went to school. I, I went to school for that. So I'm a little bit sensitive to that, but anyway, but. And, and without going too far, we'll just throw a, like, a minor, like, you know, over the bow, but, you know, you do get some you know, personalities who wander a little too aggressively into that territory and they play guru a little bit on their social media. It's just like, ah, you know, I, yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves, whatever realm coaches wander into, if it's outside of our scope of practice, that's yeah. That's a hard no-no for me in terms of like public oh, yeah. image yeah. And, and media content and what have you. You know, like just don't don't do that sort of stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The context is strictly like in this one-on-one setting. Yeah, it's not. It's not like saying yeah, yeah. Oh, one-on-one, we're gonna have different yeah. conversations, and yeah. and there is like, like we're talking about. There is no right or wrong answer when it comes to how to navigate conversations around addiction or eating disorder. I think it's a good idea yeah. to know the hard boundaries not to cross yeah but yeah. i agree with you don't be just oh that's it nope can't touch that topic i could get sued bad right yeah oh you can listen and honestly yeah, exactly you can do is just listen and, yeah. and don't try to solve the problem and and don't insert yourself into it just listen yeah. and you're going to get a lot of information out of that and there's probably going to be a lot of stuff that is fair to at least have a two-way conversation about well, and the other thing is, and this is actually more so with women, because um, even if you just listen, often women feel like they're never heard. So if all you do with this client is, is you know, ah, she's telling your problems and, and, and I'm just listening, that can be the most wonderful experience she has all day uh, because she doesn't feel heard at her job. Maybe she doesn't feel heard at home. I don't know. Um, but these are all possibilities. And, you know, so you might be doing something for her that's way more beneficial than your you know your daily undulating periodization program that you set her up on so um yeah i would never downplay just listening yeah let's i want to jam on one more topic on this particular sort of thing we've been going through and that's you know again, you've been around the industry for for a while and talking about the coaches coming up through in the early you know, stages of online coaching and whatnot. But are there any specific things that you've seen with the people that, you know, you came up through uh, behaviors, attitudes that 
that meant staying power in the industry that you know these people had sustainable success are there any keys to that staying power that you've noticed well, I mean, obviously the top of the heap are just people who are just just fucking awesome. I mean, and there's no they're like like an Eric Cressy or something like like like. But there's how many of those are there? Like just people who are just so like basic like they define the role. <laughs> like you know, like, uh, like so. I mean, you're yeah. So so that's the the best way to staying power is to be really fucking awesome at what you do uh, and work hard at it. But you know, after Eric, I think it's a, probably a pretty short list. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I no, that, that's a very good question. I, I, I do think you have to figure out kind of, you have to come to a point where you, you really see where your area of impact is. Um, like I don't write the absolute best programs and I, you know, certainly not any in anything outside of a hypertrophy context, you know, in the hypertrophy body comp context. Yeah. I hold my own, you know, get into anything more, you know, no, I don't. Um, but I did figure out fairly soon that I can not figure people out, but I can kind of figure out, figure out, figure out what's going on. I guess that's the best way. And it's got beyond this kick now that it's so much of things that are manifesting as diet um, or binging or, or whatever, or self-sabotage is all related to stress and overwhelm and anxiety. And a lot of it can be managed just through like just simple lifestyle strategies. And when you fix those, especially on the front end, holy shit, does your program suddenly work good? So, I mean, and I that's kind of what I figured out. Yeah. I think, well, that's coaching, right? Uh, like, yeah, that's coaching. <laughs> you know, this whole idea that you can, you know, hand off a piece of paper. And I mean, I get it. You know, there's this cottage industry uh, you know, in prep where they think that being a coach is here's your piece of paper program, here's your piece of paper diet, you know check in with me on this particular day once a week or yep. you know, it's your fault. And yep. then there's the public social media posts that every once in a while, Hey, if competitors, if you don't stick to your diet and if you don't stick to your plan, this is, you know, your responsibility. I, I, yeah. I reject that bullshit outright. Yeah. Yeah. If you were there to be a coach and certainly to, to make money off this stuff, then, you know, fuck, look, look at this, this whole industry. It's this house of cards of all these competitors who many of whom healthy emotional relationships with everything that's going on in their world, fine. They do it because they love it. But how many are being drawn in, you know, young women because they're, you know, insecure or vulnerable in some way. And you get some of these coaches that are actually more than a little bit predatory on these type of individuals. Or yeah. people think that, well, if I get lean, then I'll be happy. You know, everything yeah. in the world will be fine. And they have no concept of how difficult that process is going to be. And Ultimately, as a, as a coach, you're going to do better in the long run by a protecting and taking good care of the physical and emotional well-being of your clients. They'll probably stick around a lot more, but you'll get better results, right? If you yep. help someone through the process to keep them on track and understand why they're having the impulse to build, binge on peanut butter, which I still don't fucking understand the obsession with peanut butter, in <laughs> but it exists. Oh, it exists. All right. <laughs> um, but if you can actually like help someone through that process and they feel like they can reach out to you, yep. you know, anytime. And yeah, I, I, people have different thoughts about that. And you and I, I think are more on the same line of thinking that, well, you know, if you have clientele, you know, it shit that's going on in their brains doesn't conveniently happen on a, on a Sunday afternoon when you do all the check-ins, yep. um, you know, there's, there's stuff going on on a Wednesday evening and, and I want 
to have that message so to know that okay you're dealing with something difficult i, I want to be present as best i possibly can right it, it doesn't mean yeah. in the middle of the night listening to a two-hour conversation because you know someone's dealing with relationship problems but I definitely want to make sure my clientele know that I am there for them because I genuinely care about them. I don't have all the cool shit in my career without my clients, right? Yeah. yeah. The last decade. So I'm willing to go the extra mile you know, within reason, right? Yeah. Um, so I think coaching is so much more than that. And, and like you said earlier, you know, listening to what people have to say, and they'll reveal things. I mean, this is the mantra you've been saying. They will reveal yeah. stuff. They will show you. And if you're willing to listen and read between the lines, they will tell you everything you need to know eventually, I think. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Because people, is, it's very rare that, you know, I get somebody and they, they're just doing something and they had no idea. They had no idea they're supposed to, this wasn't a right, the, you know, this wasn't a bad thing or a suboptimal thing or whatever. Everybody knows. And, and over time, especially, you know, when they have this trust with you, they will, they want help and they will reveal it. And it's kind of on you to stick. If pick it up earlier, the better. So, and I, but but yeah, but that kind of speaks to the difference between like really high end. We're talking like you know professional bodybuilding coaching, uh, you know, and more like what I, you know, what I do and you do, and then even at the the furthest extreme of the gen pop. I mean, the softer you go, like somebody at the very high end, like then you're doing with all the supplements. And you know that's when all the hyper precision, and you and you you're willing to pay for that guidance, um, but if you don't follow it, the guy's not going to they're not going to check in on you if you're following it. You know they're they're not going to look at your fucking food log. You know they're they're going to give you your diet. This is what you will eat. Like what do you mean you can't? You know you can't cook. You know you you don't like rice. Well you better you know what I mean. It's going to be very like they you don't have these conversations. Um, if anything, sometimes the very <laughs> highest end, you think Big Ramy or Phil Heath yeah. aren't actually probably staying really on top of them because of the, the yeah. Oh, yeah. significance of that. But that, that's the extreme example. But yeah. you're right. At a highly competitive level, you are expecting those specific competitors to probably be highly adherent. It's like exactly, pro- yeah. yeah. Professional baseball players, right? I, I doubt yeah. Eric Messi is probably calling people up just to make sure, hey, listen, are you eating right today or whatever, right? Like, I, I'm yeah. sure that a lot of those people are coming to Cressy Sports Performance because they're probably pretty good at most of these, checking off most of these boxes, being a professional yeah. for a long time. And they're looking for specific guidance that is built in into the program. And, you know, they're probably going to be fairly adherent. But again, most of us here are not dealing with a lot of that. No, yeah. Right? But that's that's the thing. So I think when you, when you go back and if, if you're people, you know, so when you go back into the softer ranks, you know, like where programs don't have to be so hyper-specific, I think people overcomplicate programming a lot for gen pop. Um, uh, that's when I think you, you have to be a lot better in these other areas, you know, whether it's, you know, again, with me, it's lifestyle and how it all weaves into, you know, I find out as much as I can about lifestyle before I even make, a fucking set and rep in my head. I find out, okay, how much volume can they probably tolerate? You know, what, what are they telling me versus what I think they can actually do? That kind of thing. I make all those little judgments in my head because, um, and it all comes back to their ability to manage everything and get a good night's sleep and get the most out of the training and not overwhelm them and, you know, still have time in their day for the other shit that's important to them. Like these are the things I consider before I get on the computer and start typing. So I think that's where coaches at kind of in that level, that's where you got to get really good. 
you know, you can take courses till the cows come home about anatomy and physiology and it's all good, all money well spent. I'm looking forward to doing it, you know, as soon as the shit ends, but it's, you know, it's that other stuff that I really think moves the needle. I'll, I'll give a, a specific example of what you're talking about. So, you know, I think coaches may get a little too caught up in trying to decide in a program, should I use a walking lunge or a reverse yes. or a split yeah. squat or, you know, a barbell Bulgarian split squat or, you know, one of my favorites, I think I've written a couple articles about, you know, like the, the supported or Hatfield Bulgarian split squat. First of all, it doesn't fucking matter. It's <laughs> really going to be the same stimulus. We're looking for single leg stimulus. There, you know, you get someone with very specific goals. Okay, cool. One versus the other might be more suitable. If you have someone with <clears throat> a history of ACL or knee issues, you know, most of the time walking lunges, forward walking lunges are off the table. That one tends no. to cause more problems. But a reverse lunge with a really stable vertical uh, tibia and or any of the rear foot elevated options probably are going to work fine for that person. You see how they feel doing them. If it's uncomfortable, but a different version feels okay, cool, you switch that version. But in terms of hypertrophy, in terms of getting them moving and what's in the program, that probably matters a one out of 10 compared yeah. to your Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And coaches get really caught up in the minutia of trying to decide, oh, do I fuck it? Just honestly, here's a simple answer just put in the pattern. And then through dialogue with the client, you choose a specific version, yeah. either A, that you fucking feel like putting in that week or that they're more adherent yeah. to or compliant with. Some of them, they'll do. Yeah. The one is the problem. They will never do Bulgaria. Fine, fuck it. Exactly. And then that's why I, have, I, I occasionally take, take my cheap shots at my friend, Mike Israel and all his fucking acronyms. MPV, MEV, MRV, RIR. I was like, Jesus, man. I mean... I mean, I, 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 yeah, and he, 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 he audience, he, right? And yeah, it, it, it Mike takes that stuff to the nth degree. But if you also listen to <laughs> guys, fucking brilliant when it comes to all the stuff you and I are talking about, too. He gets this stuff. Oh, no, he gets, but um, but I'm just like, like the really young people, like I see, like you know, someone who's like 19 years old, and you know, they're like, well, I'm worried about my MPV because my MRV versus my MCV, and then there's my RI. <laughs> Was it RIR and uh, I don't know, man. Like reps and reserve, that one fucking kills me because, dude, you've been training for two years. You have no idea what your fucking limit is. You know, go to a you know go to a hardcore gym, the places that scare me, and they'll they'll you'll find out what your true limit is. Yeah, and, you'll get relative <laughs> beginners who yeah. they, they think they've hit failure. They got a five reps and reserve left. They just have no concept of what that it means. Is, yeah, it's just, anyway. And as I, I've done tons of Mike's stuff. I've read his books. I, I think there's a, an enormous amount of valuable knowledge in there. But you're right. I don't get into the weeds of maximum recoverable volume versus minimum effective dose with gen pop clientele. Every yeah. once in a while, you have that person that you know they're doing more volume than they can recover from. They bang up against, yeah. the signs are all there. Cool, we address that. Am I trying to measure that and, and maximize every ounce of it every single week with a general population client? Absolutely not. That's, that's not yeah. what I'm considering. Because again, you're majoring in the minor. You're focused on the wrong stuff. Yeah. I think most of our listeners are probably going to, A, agree with that, agree with all the stuff we, uh, we talked about, or kind of go, ah, oh, shit, you know what? I kind of fucking do that. And yeah. the conversation just redirects your energies into stuff that's going to make you the most effective coach possible. 
Uh, one of the other things you and I were talking about, I think this is really cool. It, it's really easy to take for granted sustained success in our industry, right? You know, I think a lot of people will look yeah. at you, know, you and I, and, and I don't consider myself to be in the same league as you're in in the, in the grand scheme of things, but you've been someone I've long looked up to. But, you know, I, I've had a decade of, of being established, so I think newer trainers probably understand what I'm talking about. Um, we've recently talked about rebounding and shaking off, you know, being off track. Yeah. Well, you know, making big forward progress. So, you know, and, and our recent conversations had a lot to do with that. How are you approaching, you know, not, not so much just in new year, but approaching the direction and invigorating what you want to do going forward? Um, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's been a lot of, a lot of, I mean, everyone's doing soul searching over 20, over 2020. Um, the first, the first thing I did is I, I did this a while ago. I got over the whole 2020 thing. I, I just, I just got it out of my head because I think people are starting to use that as a bit of a scapegoat. And, uh, if you think your life is going to magically get better in a week, uh, you know, you know, it, it's not going to happen unless you change. Um, so I, I, I removed that from my psyche completely. And I just looked at all the ways I'm like, okay, how did I fuck up in 2020? And, um, and certainly all the upheaval, like, you know, I'm blessed being an online trainer because I didn't have as much go upside down in my business as an in-person trainer did. Um, but there was still probably double my workload making all these programs out of like, <laughs> sometimes really shitty, <laughs> really shitty trading options, like mismatched dumbbells and a BOSU ball. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see what I can do here. Um, but, and then obviously all the other stress, you know, like, you know, you know, my kid can't go to daycare, wife can't go to work, you know, bills to pay, all that stuff. Can't see my parents, you know, and, and you know, all these things. That stress definitely, definitely wore on me more than, usually I'm pretty good about spotting depression in me, but it kind of, it got me this year. And um, getting caught up in the politics too much, we talked about that. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that's, what helped with me is I just, again, I just took a stock of why the things I like about what I do and whatever the handful of things that I think I'm actually really good at and just going to try to double down on those a lot more and just, you know, pick others up around me as well and just kind of get it, bring it, like fitness to be really fucking positive, you know, and it, and it was goofy and it was like, you know, it was, it, was, it was kind of counterculture and it was like, you know, then it goes, it always will have its hardcore thing to it, but it just really felt heavy this year. And so, you know, I'm not going to put out a bunch of happy, smiley bullshit, but I'm just going to be really about the thing that drives me. And that is helping that, helping my target client, which is like a normal person, you know, age 25 to 50, who wants to be as jacked as they can without getting onto a bodybuilding stage. And you know, still have a job, have a life, be healthy. Like that's that's my that's my guy, that's my girl. So I just want to keep focusing, putting my efforts into making their lives better. I think that's an amazing way to look at it. Um, I anyone who's listened to this consistently knows that, or watches my social media. It looks like I had a really great year. I am primarily based in person. Um, but I was still able to have a really good year financially, which, you know, is a piece of the puzzle. 
But in terms of the relationships and, and what I got to do with my clientele, it was a really fantastic year. You know, the end has been kind of a bumpy, uh, you know, irritation because our gyms have been closed again. Although we just did get uh, notice, like a friend of mine uh, showed me a link. There's been an update on the uh, government of Alberta website that allows for one-on-one -on -one in-person personal training. Um, the language is, is sort of both clear and not clear. For example, yeah. um, I do not believe, say, Evolve, the gym that I yeah. operate out of, would be allowed to reopen to have, you know, a handful of trainers on the gym floor all working one-on-one -on -one with clients. However, my home basement studio gym, you know, the language of it explicitly, I can work in there and I can coach people. So that's a boost today. I feel good about that. Right on. Um, and then, you know, I just recovered from being sick. I was really sick for about 10 or 11 days. And that yep. completely derailed everything physically and, and mentally. Just my energy just crashed. And so I've been trying to reboot that. But I, I sat down and I, I did some goal setting. And, and I looked at yeah. all the things I want to accomplish in 2021. And, and like you, I don't tend to think in terms of bounded years. And I didn't subscribe right. to the whole 2020 is this giant dumpster fire. And fuck, okay, fine, it is. But it was yeah. one of the best years of my career in terms of, you know, brand growth and what have you. I grew social media. My writing stuff is, is done exceptionally well. The podcast has rolled. Um, and, you know, I was featured in a major book this year. And I, and I want to take that and run with it in 2021. So I'm going to shake off the, the most recent kind of hiccups. And, but I really put a lot of energy and effort into connecting with other people, especially a lot of other coaches in the industry, a lot of listeners here. And yeah. I love how it feels to be able to do something positive for the other people in the industry. I've got a friend, uh, you know, just from the industry who reached out to me, he read the article that I had published today and he asked if I did, you know, coaching for coaches, you know, to help them with their online businesses. I don't do any of that sort of stuff. I, I have no coach to coach services. Like it's not my interest. I just like writing about that stuff. So he asked me if I had anyone that I would recommend who does that stuff. And absolutely, I connected him in a personal message, just connected right on Facebook to both Jonathan Goodman and to Luca Josevar, who I know both of those guys well, and I know what they're doing. And so, you know, Jonathan and Luca seem pretty happy. I mean, they're successful guys, but, you know, every time you get a direct referral to what they're doing, you know, that's that helps them. And, and Josh, the guy who I was helping out, he seemed really appreciative that I went that far. And for me, it was just a simple matter of creating that message. And if I can connect people who can help each other, God, I mean, that's, that's the best feeling ever. And if it helps a coach, you know, come through the year who may have not had some of my advantages or resources, who didn't have a home basement gym to fall back on. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it feels really good to be able to either just positive, positive encouragement or actually connecting with resources that will help them. It's a really good yeah. feeling. Yeah. Like, there's an expression, uh, I, I'm not sure who coined it. It was, it was in the, you know, how every, I think it's every February is Mental Health Month in Canada, I think. Um, anyway, some media figure said, you know, that the expression was you have to, at certain points in your life, you have to, you have to fight for your happiness. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, and, and especially in fitness band, I mean, I, I always joke that people who are, who are drawn to our field are, you know, they're all kind of, all kind of fucked up in their own way um and uh you know you know and myself included and um but i do think that this year it kind of taught me that too is that you know even if you have a really naturally kind of sunny disposition and and at certain points you will have to fight for your happiness and you can't just 
you can't just let it happen. You, you know, you can't just like, well, you know, eventually I'll be happy. Eventually I'll have success. I mean, you have to, occasionally you got to like put on your gloves, man. You got to fight for it. And so that this year taught me that just doing those actual things, actual things, like just like what you said, like networking with your colleagues, you know, putting out more positive work, you know, just is being like, just being a source of good in someone else's life without always having a monetary fucking attachment to it. You know, um, that like that's the other thing this 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 industry i mean it, yeah we're all in this to make money but it gets a little it's leveraged it's what is it they always say about trump uh transactional you know this fucking industry gets a little you know anyway but uh i've sort of gotten back to you know just helping as much as i can and being helpful for the sake of being helpful not because i get a fucking retweets and, and but those things that's those things come so they totally do and um, yeah. you said something in there that is touched on heavily in my favorite book of the year and that's uh, Seth Godin's The Practice and I had uh, you know recently episodes with Pete Dupuy and Luca Osevar where we talked extensively about this whole concept but a lot of what Godin's talking about is just the practice the process of uh, you know giving your art is a phrase that he uses a lot right and then and for fitness professionals maybe that is article writing or podcasting or, or YouTube or information sharing in the way that we do it, right? Yep. And I, and I like in particular breaking down, you know, the, the fears and reasons why, you know, trainers are afraid to put themselves out there. So I believe in giving and putting a lot of that stuff out there without, and here's the key of the book, without the expectation of a specific reward or applause or financial gain. You do it because you commit to doing it. And you get better at the process yeah. all the time. And what tends to happen is if you're very consistent with the process and the behavior, then you ultimately do achieve the desired outcomes. And I don't know if that language sounds familiar, but it's like behavior goals versus outcome goals in fitness and nutrition, right? You can't control, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds in two months. Well, it's, it's possible, but just saying that is very, very hard to achieve without very specific daily actionable behaviors that we can measure and, you know, if you get your workout in every single day, if you, if you do work out every day and, you know, staying on track in terms of your macros or your habits that create the, the calorie deficit necessary to lose the weight, if you do those things perfectly or near perfectly on a daily basis for two months, then, you know, if you have a lot of weight to lose, it's very yeah. 20 or something near that. You'll lose the weight and you'll feel good about the process instead of, Focusing on yeah. that result, and it's the same thing with the financial rewards. Uh, you know, yeah. I've done a ton of shit this year that had no financial reward. I mean, fuck this podcast doesn't promise any sort of financial reward. I have no sponsors, and nor do I really want to go down that road. So it's not like I'm getting paid to do it. I actually paid to have the infrastructure in place to do this podcast. But these weekly conversations with my industry friends and thought leaders can't help but keep me plugged into the consistent years and attitudes that tend to bubble up in, you know, clients in my client relationships and, and renewals and referrals and business. So it's, it's all big picture stuff that has led to, you know, a financially rewarding career without most of this very specific behavior being directed at making a dollar directly from it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, well, I mean, yeah, with the podcast, you have a great thing there just for, you know, just for, you know, all these different people coming in. And if everyone's got a slightly 
you know, different skill sets that you can drill down on. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a wealth of knowledge. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. We, I hear a lot of, you know, everyone gives that, that, that generic answer that I gave, you know, to be honest, like, Oh, I want to help people. I want to help people. Um, and I'm sure most people do want to help people then, but sometimes you're like, okay, well then help them for nothing in return. Then, then now let's see how helpful you are. <laughs> um, so, I mean, again, it's just, I think when you're, when you're down and you're having a, a, like a down year, you just have to just, you have to double down on giving, like giving your best self, your best content, your best advice, um, and just putting it out there and just being going, you know, just, just, or, you know, fighting for it, forcing it a little bit, you know, because once you get on a negative track, it can be, you know, if you're on a negative track and everyone else is doing great, you know, that's tough. Um, if you're on a negative track and everyone else is on a negative track and you have this nonstop noise, oh, fucking 2020, oh, fucking 2020, like you're going to get that in your head constantly. And you know what, motherfucker, you're going to be wake up in 2023 and you're still having this, oh, fucking 2020 in your head, you know, like you're just, you know, that's the thing I found the, the, the the most kind of disturbing about this 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 year and this whole 2020 narrative is that how everybody's bought in. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, and I think that's not yeah. Media and social media thrive off of negativity. They thrive off of yeah, yeah, hysteria and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I don't want to go down this this track too far, but it's one thing to be informed and to see yeah. the information. It's another thing to be constantly exposed to to negativity and hysteria and i, and I think yep. it's to recognize the people who are you know even the evidence-based people are sometimes the worst oh god <laughs> of, of fear and panic and negativity yeah. and i yeah. think the outward manifestation of their own lack of sense mm. of control over what's going on in the world and i ultimately think that people you have to recognize who is behaving that way and I, you have to unplug from them because they yep. are detrimental to your mental health, even if they're technically right. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we get the people who are are angry and they are yeah. not in touch with the reality of what's going on. You have to be very careful and unplugged from that stuff too, because you know, be it paralyzing fear or 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 anger and resentment over things beyond your control, both ends of that uh, yeah. are rooted in, in be, not being in control of those things. If you get swept up in that stuff, it's going to, it's not the way forward. The way forward yep. is to take a look at, okay, there's all this bullshit that I can't control this year. And 2020 was the worst in, I think, our lifetime in terms of things beyond our yeah. directly yeah. impacted us. But we have to double down on the things that we can control. And like you said, giving and taking care of the people in our immediate universe. And yeah. our, I think our fitness industry has been very resilient and resourceful in finding yeah. ways. And I think if you look at people like that, and that's why I mention a Luca Hosovar or a Jonathan Goodman or, you know, any number of other people in our industry who, you know, Pete Dupuy, well, you know what, these uh, Pete and Luca own physical facilities and they have been affected by, you know, lockdowns and governmental decisions. So what have they done? They've turned around and they've done everything they can to, to build, uh, diversify and create things that, you know, help them, but also help other people. So yep. a lot of really good resources out there. And again, we have a limited amount of attention and I'm very picky with who I bring on to the podcast in terms of what they're putting out into the universe and, and where their, their, their energy is. And that's yep. what I advocate, you know, and for someone like you, based on our recent conversations, and I know where your head is at, 
that's why I can easily say to everybody listening, like, go follow what Brian is doing. You know, there's a, there's, you know, a couple of decades of coaching knowledge. There's a wealth of information there. And if you want to get better at your craft and the one thing that will directly help with the relationship of the client in front of you, which is going to be very good for you financially, then there's a lot of wisdom there. And like we talked about, knowledge is going to be easy to come by, but wisdom, wisdom is a bit more challenging. So plug into Brian's wisdom through his media, <laughs> message him, reach out to him, you know, yeah. force him to give and, you know, direct yeah. his <laughs> we're talking about. And, yeah. mouth is. and, and the same goes for me, right? You know, I love yeah. with you guys and, and, you know, we've referred to several times you and I were on the on a video call for like two hours a couple of days ago yeah. going over all kinds of cool stuff and it, it was a really positive conversation so you know yeah. I, I think this stuff is is the best way to help you you know the listener um through all the shit that's going on and um yeah like i'm i'm i'm, I'm optimistic about 2021 yeah no the, and, and it's interesting because yeah that conversation really helped me out too and it just made me realize that like i'm always guilty of uh because I'm online a lot, I'm consuming my colleagues' stuff all the time too. Um, much of it I like, you know, some of it I don't like, whatever. And and but the thing is, that's not, you know, that's not that's you know, that's not a, a relationship per se. You know, even, even though even though I know them, you know, and whatever, and we're friendly, um, but it's not a conversation. It's not a, you know, there's no nuance behind it. So you're not really getting it. Even if you have a relationship with somebody whose whose content you look up to. Um, just have a conversation if you can have a conversation with them uh it's just a lot more fulfilling and and especially if you're in any type of a negative funk you know you hear what other real things that people are doing not just the shit that they share but like uh, other real things and maybe try the stuff that they're going through or that they you know they've pulled themselves out of it's very inspiring and it just um yeah i guess it just reminded me the power of that kind of connection and so, I mean, we're all, we're all like consuming, consuming, consuming and not producing enough, but even cut back, you know, get back at what you consume and just connect more, less consuming, more connecting. I, I don't think there's going to be anything negative that's going to come out of connecting more. And yeah, there are going to be some people who, you know, may not have the time. They may not have the, the bandwidth in their world. But if you look around for the people you have those relationships with, relationships with yeah. my guess is there's going to be a lot yeah. of people who would love to spend a bit of that time yeah. because again you know you could look at anyone who watches my media it looks positive it looks like everything has been like you know a super year i got into a pretty dark place you know a couple of weeks yeah. everything you know getting sick and having the gym shut at the same time was devastating it was absolutely yeah, that sucks. Devastating. and there were days where you know i i couldn't just didn't have the mental energy to read um, I certainly didn't have the energy to write and, you know, I retreated yeah. to a, an old show that I like and some video games and, you know, I knew I'd shake it up, you know, and I gave myself that little bit of time, but then I came bursting back out of it again. And I said, nope, no more of this. I, I have yeah. to my energy into constructive things. And, and that's where I'm going to go into 2021. And I've got a feeling 2021 will have curveballs and yeah. stuff that doesn't go according to plan. But I also see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going in the right direction. And I think we're going to be able to leave behind a lot of the worst of the things beyond our control. And at the same time, like everybody does have a choice. You have a choice to, you know, get mired in the negativity of the stuff that 
you can't control or you can say all right well mm -hmm. this sucks but there's a whole bunch of stuff here that i can i can do i can take action and i can move forward with and sometimes it's just taking action maybe it's not even necessarily something that moves the needle directly on what you need right now but maybe just that behavior like i recently rebooted uh, a certification i never finished I, you know it's actually john goodman's uh, online trainer academy i did never finish it you know yeah just along the way i got busy and i didn't finish it so yeah. i picked up that uh, textbook and got back into the videos and the online stuff and, and it was and the section on marketing was like just exactly what i needed to plug in right now and it was really uplifting but just the action of doing it has yeah. feel like I've got momentum and my mindset is back in that, in that mode and I'll come out yeah. soon. And then there's that. And I've got some textbooks I want to go through and I got some social media stuff I'm going to create. And I've got some writing I'm going to work on and that'll snowball into something bigger. And the entire time, as I'm focused on my clients, all of a sudden I'm going to look around and I'm busier and busier and busier. And, you know, I guarantee by, you know, April or May, I'll be as busy as I've ever been. Even if right now my ability is, is limited due to the circumstances. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. You, you, you don't wait until the timing is right. You know, you, you fucking start now, you know, while it's still, while it's still dark <laughs> and it's still 2020, you know, that's when you start and that's when you have to rely on all these things of just pushing out, you know, you know, producing instead of consuming and, and just doing and, you know, lifting other people up and just doing that, like that, all that, that stuff that requires you be the instigator, you know, um, that's when you need to have these, these kind of these, these, these internal skills. And, and yeah, I, I slacked off on it a lot for much of the year, but now I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, this is, <laughs> I feel like I'm the most relaxed person right now compared to how I was a few weeks ago or months ago. Yeah. And I hope that people take from this, you know, the, the conversation that you and I have alluded to, but that we've, we've had here directly and how obviously visibly that positively affected both of us right so yeah. i don't know if there's someone out there in your world that you you notice you haven't been talking to as much or maybe they're struggling a little bit well reach out to them who knows you might yeah. be each other up so you know giving you know positive energy as much as you can plug into stuff that's going to move you forward and and maybe even if it's temporary or maybe it's permanent but just unplug yeah. from the stuff that isn't serving you right now or admiring you in a in a darker place because I understand the urge to want to feel angry and frustrated about the shit that has gone on. I get that totally. Yeah. Right? But if you indulge in that and you immerse yourself in it too much, then you just discard your sense of control over the things that, well, you can control and it's just not going to take you in the right direction. So I think yeah. we'll off from that point. Yep. And uh, let's make sure people know where to find you and, and a little bit of a hint yeah. what you're going to do for 2021. <laughs> well, uh, I used to always end this, these things with saying, uh, you can find me on Facebook and you still can find me on Facebook, but I'm kind of, I'm certainly not, not a fan of that platform. So you can find me on Instagram uh, at Brian Cron and as well as on Facebook, Brian Cron, B-R-Y-A-N-K-R-A-H-N. And that's also my website, BrianCron.com. So B-R-Y-A-N-K-R-A-H-N.com. And I'm just going to be, yeah, next year for me is all about my core skills and that is coaching a little bit of writing and writing those two things if it's not coaching and it's not writing i ain't doing it <laughs> well it's also about directing yeah. and, uh, you know i like referencing books and if you've read them <laughs> and if anybody listening is, is read that book great book to read right read 
And it's about putting your time and your effort into, you know, the a narrow band of critical things that will move the needle. If you've read Essential, yep. is one of my favorite books, same concept, right? It's just putting all your energy into the stuff that truly matters. And I'll, I'll reference one more book too. We're talking a lot about giving. And if anyone's read the book, uh, The Go-Giver, which is a very short, easy read. It's a parable, but it's just about giving. And I've always found it really uplifting. I know a lot of people I know will consistently go back to that book. And yeah. honestly, it's the sort of thing that if you plug it into your brain right now, um, nothing bad is going to come of it. I promise you that. So The Go-Giver and then The One Thing and Essentialism. So it's a little fodder for your reading. Sounds good, man. Cool. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I, again, I always appreciate your patronage. Uh, if you are not driving at the moment and would be so kind as to take the minute and a half <laughs> to go and give a positive review. I mean, if you want to give a one star and you've been listening the whole time, that doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, a <laughs> uh, five star would be better. But either way, uh, it's really appreciated. That sort of thing. That, you know, this podcast is free after all. And share it with someone in your world who you believe it could help. And, uh, and again, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I'll talk to you guys all next week.